loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV's NBA podcast, alongside the great and powerful Chris Persian. And I welcome back from being overseas for quite some time. I think this is his first Pick and Pod and in a good while, it's Nick Fader. Second, second, because he oh, did one last one. week. Okay. Oh, actually, maybe my third. Third. Or third. Okay. Well, the charm. Right. Back. So he's Nick, been he's been back for a bit. All right. Nick all has right. done so many, he doesn't even know at this point. <laughs> Too hard to keep track. <laughs> I it's it's fallen out of the uh, the line of order, I guess you could say. But it's time for the NBA draft. The finals have concluded. Steph Curry's legacy ring and championship is complete. And now it's time to anoint the newly minted NBA players uh, for this upcoming season. We have it's one heck of a draft class, in my opinion. We're just going to dive right into it. So many different prospects that do so many different things. As someone who was watching more of college hoops this year than I was the NBA, I would say that this class is probably in terms of who is available in the top. We'll go 10. And where they're coming from, this is probably the most diverse group we've had in, in quite a while. And Nick, I want to start with you because there's just so many different players, types of players that are coming through in this draft. And a lot of them are going to really be instant impact players. I don't know if we're going to see too many projects. Yeah, I think really oftentimes the past few drafts, we've seen maybe the top three picks are guys that come in are, are impact players right away. I think in this draft, you have maybe five or six uh, that are just going to come in instantly and make an impact, especially on the teams that uh, are lottery teams for a reason and not great teams. They're adding guys that have potential to be stars and already have that kind of talent to make an impact right away. The Jabari Smiths, Paolo Bancaro, uh, Chet Holmgren is obviously the potential is through the roof with him, but he, no matter what, will come in, make an impact. Uh, and the rest of the guys here are just all really talented. Like you said, uh, the potential is through the roof for, for this draft class as a whole. You know, as someone who has spent the last couple of years now the top in Halliburton quickly, that year was my first year really deep diving a draft class, but I've spent since the, I think, 2016 draft following them. I think this draft is really interesting in the sense that after the top, in my opinion, the top seven guys, you're looking at from eight to about 26 guys who I could consider being on a similar tier of prospect. It's just the tools they're bringing to the table, the upside they have. A lot of upside swings in this draft. You know, guys like Usman Jiang, who played for the New Zealand Breakers, might go as late as 16, 17 in this draft. And he's someone who is kind of in that Bruno Caboclo, Kevin Knox line of just, this is a super lanky, waving, inflatable two-man body guy who can pass, who can shoot. Can he be developed into something? Kevin Knox went eight or nine. He went ninth overall in his draft for being that kind of prospect. Jang is going to go like 16, 14, maybe in this draft. 
that's fascinating to me. I think this is a really interesting class. I think even in the second round, you have lots of guys who can come in and be long-term contributors, decade-long careers in the NBA. Uh, but this, the top of this class, man, I, I love a lot of these lottery guys. And the top about 10, 11, 12 to me is full of guys I love. So really interesting class. I'm excited to delve into it a bit here on the show. So, Chris, you bring up uh, the top 10. Now, of course, we could all probably spend about, I'd say, two hours dissecting who is who in the NBA draft. Uh, I would probably not enough time, not enough time at all. I would probably spend about a half hour on the Atlantic 10 people. There's quite a few of them actually entering this year that are probably going to be NBA role players at their peaks. But let's go start here with the top three prospects. The one that everyone can't drool enough over. That's Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bencaro. Um, the three of them coming from two of them coming from power five conferences, Chet Holmgren, of course, coming from the West coast conference and Gonzaga. So these three guys are seen right now as franchise. I don't want to say changers, but definitely franchise altering players. I'm going to start with the number one pick and we're going to go through our, our 10 picks. We're going to go round Robin here. I'll go with number one. And the Orlando Magic are in the spot. In theory, any player should work for them. I think it would be smart for them to pick Jabari Smith. They're in desperate need of probably star power. Jabari Smith can provide that. He's being compared to Kevin Durant. Not to say that he's going to be Kevin Durant, but he will more than likely, given his physical tools and the skill sets that he has, he will probably get pretty, pretty darn close to that sort of player. On top of the fact that his ever-improving ball handling and defense is going to go a long way, especially for this Magic team where they've overloaded to the extreme with guards and centers. They don't really have an in-between guy, and Jabari Smith can provide that on top of the fact he could be a six foot ten small forward. That's my spiel on him. I don't think he's real. He was definitely made on a different planet, and he is going to be, Nick, a player to keep your eye on the, ne- the first couple weeks of of the NBA season. Yeah, he's my number one as well. Um, I think just the upside you get with him right away is what keeps him there. Uh, And his potential, of course, is still through the roof. He's a very just threatening player on both ends of the floor because of his build. He has really what you look for now as a modern day build, a guy who can kind of do a little bit of everything uh, is valued so heavily in this league. And Jabari Smith also has the potential to be an elite scorer and already can score at at a very high level right away. So I think you kind of summarized it pretty well, but he's the number one pick for me. Magic need that in-between guy, like you said, uh, and I think they kind of need a guy who can come in right away. Not a boomer bust type player. He's really the solid set number one pick, I think, in this draft. I think, yeah, I think he's definitely, if you're the Magic or if you're just any NBA team picking in that range, even if he doesn't turn out to be what I'm projecting him to be, you're still getting a pretty quality NBA player. That's not yeah. something to, to be upset about, and a lot of teams will take that now. Jabari's really intriguing. I have him number four on my big board for this class um, just because I really like Jaden Ivey. I really like Paolo Banchero and I love Chet Holmgren. So Jabari fell in fourth for me because, to you know, I know Kevin Durant is a fun name to bring up. Um, my comparison, and I try to keep it fun. So I say Harrison Barnes off of a Mario Mushroom. What? And the reason I that say mean? that is you, you get the power up, you get the supersize power up, grow an inch or two from from Barnes's height. Barnes is about six, nine Jabari coming in at six, ten. 
they share a lot of the same characteristics, not the handle you want, you know, a lead ball handler having. You just saw Jalen Brown get hounded by Gary Payton Jr. <laughs> in mm-hmm. in the finals. Um, obviously not someone I'm going to be putting the ball in their hands every time down the stretch in game seven, but someone who I really trust shooting the ball, someone who I really trust to make the right play. And you just can't teach that 6'10 athletic frame. So Jabari Smith is a top four prospect in this class for me. That is a compliment, not supposed to be a a drawback. Being top four in this class, that's a compliment. I have Jabari top four. He was actually top three up until this week. I really deep dived Jaden Ivey and him. uh, I was torn. I ended up going with Ivey. And the reason for that, the reason I put Ivey over Smith on my board comes down to I trust Ivy with the ball in his hands at the end of a game. And even if that's in a different role, the fact that he can score it and distribute, I trust him to develop as a guard. He elevates his teammates. Nick and I just spent a lot of time talking on the last edition of pick and pod, how Steph Curry has made his case as a top 10 all-time player because of his ability to improve the talent around him. Jaden Ivy, I think has that kind of potential, even if not the all-time great shooting potential or anything close to it because of that that i have him over smith jr now that being all said i love jabari smith i love him as an offensive weapon for any team in the league i don't think there's a team out there that can say i don't think we need jabari smith jr no you're not no one's that good for example the golden state warriors would be terrifying with wiggins smith and draymond out there it's just perfect lots of teams that could really use him especially in my opinion, the Houston Rockets are in great need of someone who can play some defense. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I would love Jabari for them. But if the Magic took him number one, I would understand it. They see what they see. They have the ball of clay there um, the and they want to mold it. Clay. They want to mold it in their own way. Oh, my goodness. It, we, we have to start uh, anointing these crazy phrases as Chrisisms now. Yes. So we've got Ayeloisms. We've got Chrisisms. What's next? We're going we're gonna to we, we have to get a Fedaism. How about that? We, we, you got you to come up with something. It's got it's to be clever, too. <laughs> anyway, moving along here, picks two through four. This is where there's been a lot of talk recently, of course, between some beat reporters here in the metro area. The Knicks are looking to sneak into that top four range. They've had conversations with the Kings for pick number four, with the Pistons for number five. People are speculating the Thunder may take Jaden Ivey at two. There's others that suggest the Houston Rockets may try to swap picks two and three. I mean, I don't know where I saw that, but I saw it somewhere on Twitter. Well, hey, you know, there there are two guys. We call them the Jays. They were always called a bad fit. I think there's another set of Jays that are currently looked at as a bad fit in Jalen Green and Jaden Ivey, who would work great together. So if Houston wants to maneuver that, that's one thing. I will say a little bit of pushback on your point. Um, Just the fact that Ivey, you know, that OKC rumor, I think that might be a smokescreen. So I I wouldn't worry too much there. I'm not with that one either, because it doesn't make sense from a fit perspective. They have Giddy. They have Shea Gilgis Alexander. Their bigs are essentially non-existent. I mean, if you count uh, Alex Pokushevsky and uh, what's his name, Isaiah Roby, I don't even know who the bigs are. See, that's where the issue in, uh, lies. So it would be foolish for the Thunder to pick Ivy. I don't see why they would do that. And it would make more sense, of course. I'm, again, stating the obvious that Chet Holmgren should go to the Thunder the rebuild would probably be complete in about two years if they pick Holmgren. In my estimation, if they decide to go Ivy or 
they trade the five zillion picks that they own for said star player, whoever that may be, it, it could speed up faster. I don't, I don't know. Thund- the Thunder have so many different choices in this spot. Um, I'm going to go with them holding on to the pick and taking Holmgren. Again, I don't see why they wouldn't do that. If they were to go in any other direction, someone needs to backhand Sam Presti across the face. Um, yeah, I, I know. I think that's kind of the clear pick here. The thing that Holmgren obviously is, I guess, if you want to call it a weakness, it is. Uh, he's a seven-footer that weighs under 200 pounds. I think he's under 180. That might be right. Um, you know, in, in the NBA, you need muscle. You need size to compete with the quite literally grown in height and uh, maturity, grown men uh, in this league. I think Holmgren's talent with what he has, you know, he could dribble, he could shoot. Uh, he blocks shots like it's nobody's business. Uh, it's fair to say I think that OKC is going to take the chance with him because of such a high side there. Uh, he's still young, obviously. He was a freshman last year. They have so much to build on. I think if they can kind of just not necessarily bulk him up, but uh, kind of he does need to grow, I guess, physically. Uh, but his skill set there, you know, it, it's like almost – rookie Porzingis-esque but obviously Porzingis got bigger and I mean you could say Chris Stops worked out he didn't work out whatever you want to call it but uh I think Holmgren's the talent there I think he he has the best potential in this draft I think um you know that's why he's not going number one is the the downside of his his build his length I guess for lack of a better term uh but OKC you know they have so many young prospects already and like you said Thomas they need a big in there he's a seven footer he's clearly a center I guess you could say center slash forward. There's NBA's positionless nowadays, but they need a big desperately. Uh, they want to keep the trend going with youth. There he is. Chet Holmgren should be the clear-cut second pick. I have Chet number one on my board, so I love this for them. Obviously, I love I- how Chris is the antithesis of everything that Nick and I just oh, said. Oh, I'm okay with it. I okay. am too. It's just funny. <laughs> I have Chet number one. I don't think he'll play center, and that's that okay. Mean, right? Okay. Yeah. I think he'll be an elite power forward, though. And you know what? That's good enough for me, man. Just because uh, we're in an NBA right now where being multi-positional and versatile is really important. Yeah, Chet might be position locked at the four that may, you know, put a little limit on just how big of a star he can be. But, dude, if you're a power forward at that height, I know this is a New York area show, so I can make this comparison and it'll make sense. Chet Holmgren is what Nick fans spent the first couple years of Kristaps Porzingis's career touting him as. Kristaps, yeah, yeah, too yeah. injury prone, not really able to care too much about defense after that injury, not really a priority of his. He's seven foot three and averaged under seven rebounds a game his entire career in New York. Chet, I don't see like that. I see Chet as being a good shooter, a good passer, a good dribbler, a good rebounder, a good defender. I don't need to continue. He's really good. I see him developing all around. I love that pick for both you guys. And I would agree. I would go Chet at number two for Oklahoma City if he were, you know, still there. But in my mini mock, I'd go Paolo at one for Orlando. They really need a scorer. Too many toolsy wings over there. Thomas said they don't have anyone in between a guard and a center. I disagree because I really like Michigan's Franz Wagner. Um, So I see him as filling that three slash four role for them instead of Jabari. I think I would go Paolo for them. You know, Isaac, Franz, Fultz, all these guys, Suggs, really toolsy, good defenders, but no go-to bucket getter. That can be Paolo Boncaro, and I would go Chet if he's on the board there at two for Oklahoma. So let's move down a little bit outside. Maybe a little little speed round here. A little speed round. We'll go from five to ten. 
Pistons, Pacers, Blazers, Pelicans, Spurs, and the Wizards all have picks in this area. Pick number five, of course, as we talked about briefly, this one has been discussed in being moved with the Knicks. Of course, one of the teams trying to move up to that top five. Uh, Jaden Ivey, a lot of people think he might go here. Some people suggest Keegan Murray of Iowa could be in that fifth spot. I find it interesting for him to be a pick and pop partner with Cade, perhaps even um, the other star player that they need because they do want to move on from Jeremy Grant and look to get some value from him, which could fill out other holes for them. Number six is Indiana. I don't know what they're going to do here. They really could use any, any position player to me. It doesn't matter. Number seven is Portland. I, I don't know. They, they are probably going to trade this pick because they still have Damian Lillard. And I'll just let you guys go for those next three picks. I've given my thoughts. I don't want to give all five because then I would bore the folks at home. But from five through seven, what do you guys see happening? Yeah, I think uh, Keegan Murray, I have at number four going to Sacramento. I like him with Darren Fox. They're winning now, I think, uh, especially with Sabonis on that team. They have to make the playoffs for the first time in whatever. That's what I'll say about 2005. pick four. Exactly. Uh, so I'll say that about pick four. I like Jaden Ivey at five. I like pairing him with Cade Cunningham uh, as an experiment almost. I think they're very similar ball-dominant scorers and playmakers. Uh, and I think if you could kind of see how they may work together, I think Cade Cunningham would be more of the playmaker in that situation, where Ivey would be the scorer. I think that could be a very interesting experiment. Uh, I love like, that. Yeah, I, I think it's a cool thing to see there. Uh, and then six through 10, I guess, you know, like you said, it kind of can go any way with trades, with picks. Uh, I'll just throw in a couple names. I like A.J. Griffin, freshman out of Duke. Maybe he goes at six. Ah, uh, the Stepanak kid. Could be could be high up. He's a good 3 and D player. Love him. Know, right? He's got upside. Uh, and then another interesting guy, I think, I'm sure, Chris, you have a lot to say about him, considering we haven't seen much of it, is Shaden Sharp, the guard from Kentucky who never played at Kentucky. Uh, I think he may go somewhere around eight to, like, the Pelicans or something because the Pelicans – have a set sort of squad already where if this guy can come in and be maybe an electric score off the bench for them, that's kind of what, you know, they were missing in that second unit when they were trying to beat the Suns in the playoffs. They didn't have, I guess, much scoring outside of Brandon Ingram as their leader. Uh, and then 9 and 10, I, I think a name like Benedict Benedict Matherin, that's how Math I pronounce it. Ben Matherin, ah, yes. Matherin, I think that's how uh, that would go. Maybe he's in the 9-10 range. I would like him to slip to 11 for the Knicks. Don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but I think those kind of six through 10 range could be varied. Maybe with trades, we can only spec, uh, speculate from here about that. But I think those few names could be around there, but I really like Jaden Ivy at five to pair him with Kate Cunningham in Detroit. I love that pick. Um, we disagree a little bit about why, but that doesn't oh. matter because the end All result right. would still be great. <laughs> I have Ivy as an off ball guard. I don't oh, okay. see him as a ball dominant guy. I see him as developing into that, but Hey, he does not need to, if he has, the literal number one pick in last year's draft doing that for him. I love that pairing. I love letting Cade set the table and Ivy go get the kill. Um, for me, Shade and Sharp, my comparison, I know Aiello will like this. It's J.R. Smith, great oh athlete my. coming out of wow, high school okay. who decided to skip college, go straight to the NBA. Now, Shaden, just like J.R., has a chance to be a star shooting guard. J.R. didn't exactly get after it to that extent, didn't really have the work ethic. Shaden doesn't seem to either. I don't mean to write the story of his career before he steps on the court, but you know, I'd like to see him work. Uh, Shaden, I do like, though. Keegan, I love. I love Johnny Davis, someone else I love in this range. 
Someone who didn't get mentioned at all, who I really like in the top 10 is Tari Eason from LSU. I think a lot of what he does can't be shown in one-on-none workouts, which is why he's having tough workouts with teams as my quote unquote sources are telling me, but I really do. I really do love him. And I think he can be really good in the league disrupting plays and just messing up offenses while contributing, being good catch and shoot on his own. Jeremy Grant and what he did for the Nuggets are a good reminder of what I think Tari can be. So, of course, our wonderful insight on the NBA draft, who in God's name is no, will know what's going to happen Thursday night. Anything can happen in this draft. There's a ton of rumors that always come out, but I don't know if there's ever been a pre-draft week that has been this crazy in terms of things that could happen, trades that might go down, people who might be on the move, where people might get picked. Who knows? And But that's the excitement of the NBA draft, a life-changing experience for those young men going from college, NIL, stars, All-Americans to NBA household names. Always a pleasure to watch. And now we'll get to our, I guess, final back half of the show. couple of nuggets for you guys this week. The first one, Kyrie Irving and the Nets have come to an impasse. According to Shams of The Athletic, the Nets and Kyrie Irving cannot agree on an extension, they're not sure the Nets if they're going to trade Kyrie. Are they going to let him leave? Is Kyrie going to decline the player option? Is Kyrie just going to retire? Who knows what he's going to do? Uh, he's he's been quite kooky throughout this entire process. I mean, this season has been pretty wild for any anyone's standards, but uh, for Kyrie's standards, he's kicked it to a different gear. Nick, I know that you're someone who kind of looks at Kyrie and rolls your eyes every time he does something. What what do the Nets do with Irving? And this is accepting the player option or not. So they're going to have to do something. I, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I don't know what you think they're going to do. I think they're going to have to look to trade him. If he's not going to play there, they can't come to an agreement. Uh, it's Obviously, you're not winning anything if you let him walk. Uh, he's one of the most talented players that the game of basketball has ever seen. Uh, it's just for some reason he only wants to play half the time. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> He's just an interesting bird. I don't know what to make of him. I never will. I think, uh, you know, trading him could be difficult at this point. Like, who wants to take on the challenge of Kyrie Irving this time? Boston failed. Brooklyn failed. Uh, it's, you know, a difficult task. I think Even he, might LeBron need to go back. he might need to go back to his big brother, LeBron. I think that might be the only real option. Uh, you mean his babysitter? Yeah, he, he hasn't, you know, he he hasn't really done anything since he left LeBron. I think... He should have been more patient in that whole situation. Uh, you know, it's difficult, obviously, wanting to play on your own, win on your own, but maybe you should have stayed with LeBron. I, I'm praying, praying, praying as a fan of the Knicks. He does not come to the Knicks. The Knicks don't be stupid and make any sort of trade for him. He's not worth it. Uh, if he got eaten alive in Boston and Brooklyn, he'll be destroyed in New York. Uh, I don't want Kyrie anywhere near the tri-state area. Ship him out west. Uh, see, you know, it would be entertaining to see him with uh, the Lakers again, maybe if somehow they trade Russell Westbrook to Brooklyn, get KD and Russ one more shot. I don't know. Oh, that would be terrible. Could be could be a, a fun thought to see in the NBA, but I think you got to look to trade them. Probably Lakers are your best suitor because the Lakers are always willing to make a GM trade. Who knows? Uh, I would say keep them out of New York, make a trade, get them out of here. Oh my, GM, let's trade. <laughs> this is funny. Chris, go ahead. I think Kyrie Irving being out of Brooklyn just like looks like exactly what it is. Speaking of the GM, if you want to talk about LeBron, 
being his team's GM. Kevin Durant is the guy who runs the show over in Brooklyn. This misconception that it's Kyrie and KD who have control there. KD has made it very clear to Joe Sy and and Nets ownership and and management since day one that this is his show. Um, He brought his frat buddy from Oklahoma City over in James Harden. You know, they were going out a lot after games on the Thunder early in their careers. KD thought, hey, maybe my friend, you know, they, they weren't, they're not good friends. They were like frat bros. He brought him over and Harden left as a result of not wanting to deal with Kyrie. Um, so yeah, I think the fact that K, you know, Kyrie might be going somewhere else now is, is a sign of, of KD and the team being like, hey, this guy actually isn't worth it. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I think that says enough about him. You know, he's an all-world talent when he's on the court. Um, he's a contrarian without a cause off of the court. And that might just not be worth the time, you know? So, yeah, if you're a small market team, starved for talent and starved for players that put butts in the seats, go ahead and, and go after Kyrie Irving. But if you're someone like the Los Angeles Clippers, who I think have a really good shot at a title next year, and may he puts you over the hump. I'm not sure this is the guy you want to throw all your chips into. I find the Clippers one interesting, and I know that Nick talked about the Lakers. I'll get to them in a second. The Clippers one is is odd in the way that there's a trade there because they have assets that the Nets would want, which is defensive-minded wings who shoot threes and just stay out of the way, which has worked for the Clippers in the past. Uh, we can talk about the, the COVID-spoiled seasons that they've had. And now like this year is just ruined by injuries. Kawhi, of course, getting hurt last playoffs. Um, I do think that there's a trade there, Brooklyn. There is things that they would want and probably need in theory, like Nick Batum, who actually just declined his option today. Uh, but that would be a player had the Clippers still had him on his option. He would have probably been in the trade. Someone like Brandon Boston, maybe Reggie Jackson, who knows, but there's stuff there. And from the Lakers side, I mean, if we're going to talk about Westbrook and, and Durant, that may Dave, uh, Katie does not want Westbrook. Yeah, I don't. Back. I don't the think that that Lakers would have got to get rid of him. Yeah, I, I think I think that wouldn't make any sense. That would just ignite a fifty cent jaw rule esque beef where uh, people's lives might be in danger. Anyway, um, by the way, Chris had to leave early, so it's just going to be Nick and I. He has to go to his doctor appointment. I think that one would be it would be fun to watch LeBron James, Kyrie Irving and and Anthony Davis instead of Kevin Love. That would definitely be uh, showtime in terms of how they would have to get that done. You have to move Westbrook's gazillion dollar contract, which is north of, I think, forty seven and a half million dollars this upcoming year. On top of the fact neither team has cap space, so you're going to have to get a third team involved. And that's just always a nightmare to put together, a la Dwight Howard a la James Harden. I could keep going. The last one, Nick, you also brought up the, the Knicks. Hmm. Similar to the Clippers, there's there's things on the Knicks that the Nets would want, like Derek Rose, Alec Burks, Noel. Uh, if they want Evan Fournier, I'm sure that they could have him. Uh, but from the Knicks' perspective, and you mentioned it too, he he's a, he's, he's a cancer. There's no other way to put it. He can destroy locker rooms in a couple of weeks. Uh, He did it in Cleveland a little bit, obviously overshadowed by the presence of LeBron James in Boston. He called everyone a baby. He said it's a marathon, not a sprint. Rah, rah, rah. In Brooklyn, he was doing whatever he was doing, the walking stick, uh, the vaccination stuff. I can keep going. But to wrap up my thought, it's who wants him at this point? He should honestly, honestly, the best move would be to just take 
this option and then just be like, oh, I'm going to retire like two weeks later. That would actually be a genius move because like Bobby Bonilla on the Mets, he would get paid for the next 5,000 years. And in all honesty, that could be a nice little retirement uh, retirement pension, Nick. Um, yeah, I don't think he'll do that, but that would be interesting to see. It would kind of be perfect Kyrie fashion almost for that to happen. But I, I just, I don't know. I think the only way you could accept him on a team is if you really do need just one piece that almost like would like super team piece. Almost like how like. Jordan and Pippen took Rodman on, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say that kind of is a fair comparison personality-wise. I think, obviously, Kyrie is going to uh, impact your team. Maybe not more, but in a different way. Robin was a perfect fit for Jordan Pippen, uh, you know, because they already had kind of the star power. But uh, Kyrie going to a team like the Lakers, like the Clippers, I'm trying to think if there's any other suitors for him that would kind of be... There really isn't any because the other teams, they don't have the assets or they just just don't want him. So it's. I think it's hard to to say any other team besides LA could take on that project or should, uh, because again the Lakers, Laker fans are disappointed with anything but a win. Kyrie yeah. gives them a chance, excitement, you know. Maybe if he, he joins the Dodgers. They want, <laughs> true. If he doesn't do what the Lakers want, though, uh, that dude might be forced into retirement because of yeah. the scrutiny he'll face. But uh, again, I'm I, as much as I could go on and on about talking with Kyrie and all his drama. I hate it. It's it, it's sickening. I just want to see him play basketball. I don't. I don't think there's I, a I agree. Out there who wants to keep talking about? Oh, what's this? What's that? Just play basketball somewhere where you can help a team win. Uh, that's 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 the moral of the story. I think LA could be that, but could be a stretch. Who knows? Who knows what Kyrie's gonna do? Like Waldo, we don't know where the heck he is. We don't know what he's up to. His plans remain a secret couple more notes here. Uh, this one's a little bit more sad. Caleb Swanigan, uh, former Purdue and Portland Trailblazers forward, has passed away uh, at the very young age of 25. It, quite sad to see because he was such a, a joy to watch in college. Uh, Big Ten champ, Big Ten player of the year, Purdue legend. He was making his way in the NBA as a, as a really good role player. Uh, but to see his life be taken away at 25 is really upsetting um it's a it's a loss in terms of character for the basketball world because he was beloved from everyone on twitter who's been vouching for him at the time we are recording this uh and it just it sucks but it it goes to show nick that really every day it really is a gift in the words of art lovey um you just you just have to be grateful that every day you can wake up and just do what you have been I guess put in front or do what has been put in front of you and enjoy every moment of it because it can, it can end at any time. You just never know when it's going to be. Let's make the most out of every day. That's all you can really say. It's a terrible anytime a life is taken, but just make the most of every day folks. So we're sending our best to the Swanigan family and for the organizations he played for, but let's end the pick and pod on a lighter note. Uh, very quickly in the world of college basketball, because uh, this news kind of came from left field. No one, uh, ex- I don't say no one didn't expect it, but it was a matter of when. Stephen Curry's college coach at Davidson College, Bob McKillop, has announced his retirement last Friday after 33 incredibly successful years at Davidson College. Took the job at the start of the 1980. Nine season, I believe, if memory serves me correctly. That's, I believe, 33 years. He coached uh, in the Southern Conference with Davidson and then, of course, moved to the Atlantic 10. Of course, 
Steph Curry's college coach creating what we know now as Stephen Curry, then known as Wardell. Uh, but in, in this Nick is an interesting story because it's a mid-major coach who stayed at a school where he could have left for St. John's or he could have left for a Big East team or any of the ACC teams, but he elected to stay at a tiny school and he turned it into one of the most respected mid-majors in the, in the, in the country. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the goal for a lot of these coaches that is a really cool thing to see. You know, when you take a team from a very small school for sure, that's not supposed to really win much into a very successful program uh, that <laughs> here at Fordham, we've been having to deal with them for quite some time now as a great team. Uh, it's it's a great story for him, and it's a great career. You know, 33 years there to, to bring on all that success. Obviously, the Steph Curry days are, are the craziest, I think, of his I time. There. But uh, even that, 13 years ago, I believe that was Steph's run. Uh, it puts you on a map even more, keeps the program on that map, uh, which is a very cool thing to see for a coach to kind of stick with the squad uh, and build them into the program that they will continue to be after his uh, days are over. Yeah, so again, as, as Nick said, the Steph Curry run in 2008, uh, Bob McKillop is the creator of Stephen Curry, the one that, that we know now, uh, post-ankle surgeries, post-ankle injuries, post-whatever-you-want-to-say. And I guess the one McKillop uh, factoid that I will share is when Davidson made the move to the Atlantic 10 in 2014, a lot of the media folks were very skeptical about how they were going to be. Uh, there were teams that had moved out like Butler and Temple. They went to the American Athletic Conference, the Big East, respectively. Xavier followed suit to the Big East, I think, a year or two before that. And the A-10 picked up teams like VCU, George Mason. And VCU was already a dominant A-10 team and about a year or two into their A-10 tenure. And Davidson, like they have been many times, they were, they were doubted. And Bob McKillop as, shut everyone up surprised the hell out of everyone with his three-point heavy offense that really became what it was after Steph left. And those kids, a lot of them have gone overseas. He's an incredible international recruiter. And it you have to imagine it paves the way for more of these guys from countries like Iceland or North or not North Korea, South Korea, uh, any of these countries to come to the NBA and say, hey, look, a tiny school like that, I can go to a bigger one and and make my mark in the nba and that only expands the brand even more and it's something you love to see especially for kids yeah regardless it's it's just a great story for the sport um anytime you know you can kind of expand the, the name of the game the the style of play what the message is i guess uh, of the sport as a whole it's it's just growth that's what any league or, or person wants to see and i think that's kind of what it's all about here and that is certainly a good note to end this episode of Pick and Pot on. Uh, again, Chris had to leave early. He had to go to his doctor's appointment. So thank you for his contributions today. Nick, it's been a while since you and I have done a Pick and Pod, but it's good to be back, brother. And it's been a, it's been a joy today. Absolutely. Producer Maddie doing a great job keeping us in line. And for Thomas Siello, I'm going to say so long for now. And Pick and Pod is a production of W. FUV Sports.